Welcome to the Red Light Report, your number one source for all things red light therapy, where you will learn how to optimize your health, wellness, and longevity with the power of photobiomodulation. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Belkowski. Welcome back to another episode of the Red Light Report. Hope you all are having a fantastic week as always. The sun is starting to come out here in Montana. I hope it's doing the same wherever you live and that you're getting outside and enjoying those sun rays, those full spectrum sun rays and getting those health benefits. And just regardless, it feels good, improves your mood, just mentally and physically feels good to be out there in that sun. Anyways, that's what the springtime's all about. Getting some more sun. Everything's turning green and beautiful. Before we jump into the meat and potatoes of this solo sode, I just want to take care of some housekeeping items. But we have to because I'll be presenting at a couple of different events coming up this year. And so the first one is going to be a virtual event that is put on by Biohacker University, which does human enhancement training. And this virtual event is going to go live and launch August 25th through the 28th. So this is going to be, again, it's a virtual, so it's going to be pre-recorded interviews um, I'm actually going to be doing the interview in a couple weeks here. Uh, and the headliner is the one and only Tony Robbins. And of course, Tony is most well known for his motivational speaking, his massive uh, weekend events that he puts on all over the world. Uh, he also writes very thick books every couple of years from the financial world to uh, the mental health and you know psychology aspects of well-being. And then most recently, he released a book this year called Life Force, which looks into uh, health, wellness, and longevity, but the latest and greatest in technology, like 3D printed organs, goes really deep into stem cells and, and other things. I'll review that book at some point here for the podcast. But, but regardless, Tony Robbins is going to be the headliner for this event. And then you'll have other experts in their respective fields, such as myself presenting on red light therapy, but other topics are going to include, of course, anti-aging longevity, beauty for men and women, biometrics, bone strength, cancer solutions, detoxifications, EMF and 5G solutions, the microbiome and gut health, supplements and nutraceuticals, other stuff related to pain relief, paleo diet, keto diet, infrared technology, so on and so forth. I mean, it's a long list. And all of these topics are going to have at least one, if not a couple, experts speaking on those topics. And this will be a free event, I believe. And I believe they're going to start rolling out signups so you can sign up for this event next month in May. So when the information does come out, I'll be sure to relay it to you guys, whether it's through email and or through this podcast. And by email, I mean, if you're on the BioLite newsletter, that's the first one. And the, I believe the event, it says here on the website, it's going to be August 25th through the 28th. The website I'm looking at is biohackeruniversity.com. And if you go there, you'll be able to see the front page with Tony's smiling face and other experts who will be presenting in their respective fields. On that same page, you'll see all the different topics that will be covered. So that is the first event I will be presenting in, again, virtually or pre-recorded. But then the second one is going to be a symposium. And then this symposium, it's going to be in Italy, Rome, Italy. And this one's going to be in person. So it's going to be my first time traveling to Europe. So I'm excited for that. But this symposium, I don't think they've decided if it's going to be a more global health and wellness symposium or if it's going to be specifically about photobiomodulation. 
the gentleman I've been speaking with about this event, it sounds like it's going to be photo biomodulation specific, which would be really cool. So then I'd be able to meet and learn from other red light therapy experts from around the world as well. So that one's going to be exciting. That one is in November. And again, it's going to be in Rome, Italy. So those are a couple of the speaking engagements that I have coming up. So I'm pretty excited about those. Continue to spread the word, continue to educate as many as people as possible on the many, many health and wellness benefits of red light therapy. But let's continue on here to, like I said, the proverbial meat and potatoes. And I thought I would take a couple of solo sodes to read through a ebook that I have written and I've developed over years and years of reading red light therapy or photobiomodulation and low level laser therapy research. I did this because when I started the company BioLite, it was very clear there was a dearth, there was a lack of high quality red light therapy information. Because like I've said on multiple podcasts, while red light therapy is relatively basic in the sense that all you have to do is shine this light upon yourself on a consistent basis and you're likely going to see positive results. And to boot, it's extremely safe to the point that there are zero contraindications in the research. There are some precautions, there are some safety things you want to consider, but overall, red light therapy is extremely safe, which is why it's becoming so popular over the last handful of years. But again, when I started BioLite, there just wasn't that much high quality education because As simple as red light therapy is, like I just explained a moment ago, there are some intricacies that can make it somewhat convoluted or a little complex because if you do want to see optimal results, then you do need to have, let's say, specific protocols because you can't treat the skin with near-infrared, you can't treat your brain with red light, and there are different dosages, meaning your body needs a different amount of jewels, not jewels like a... I'm going to buy my wife a diamond, but Jules, J-O-U-L-E-S, the energy. So if you're going to do a specific protocol, you actually need a different amount of jewels based on what you're trying to treat, meaning your skin requires a very low amount of jewels to have a beneficial treatment. Whereas if you're treating the brain, it takes significantly more jewels because you have to get through the skin, you have to get through that thick skull for any light to get to your brain, which is why red light doesn't work because red light only treats the skin. So my point being, there are some variables that you do have to take into consideration if you want to utilize red light therapy as effectively and as efficiently as possible. You have to consider the light power of the device you have. You have to consider the distance you are away from the device because that changes the light irradiance or the power, which dictates how many joules you absorb at a given time. Meaning, if you have a high power device, it takes less time to absorb, let's say, 10 joules of light energy compared to a lower power device, which would require more time to absorb the same amount of energy, that same 10 joules. And of course, you can change that by being six inches away from the device versus 12 inches away from the device versus 18. So that's another variable. Then of course, there's time, which is gonna be predicated on the distance and power of your device. Even right there in the last about 60 seconds, there is a quick synopsis of some of the main variables a person has to take into consideration when utilizing red light therapy. If you're trying to treat your thyroid, 
versus trying to, let's say, decrease stress or like mental stress or anxiety and depression, or maybe you're trying to optimize sleep, or maybe you're trying to improve eye health or reduce pain. All of those different health benefits, let's say, require a different protocol to be most effective. Again, you're likely going to see results just by standing in front of the panel using both red and near-infrared light. Let's get that straight. But if you truly want to get the most bang for your buck, let's say, out of your treatment sessions, you do need to have these protocols, or at least you need to have that basic rudimentary understanding of how to best utilize red light therapy. And so again, that was a very long-winded way of me saying that uh, that's why I developed this ebook that I provide with all of my BioLite customers who purchase a device. They get this ebook. It's uh, upwards of 100 pages right now as it's in its third edition, and I'm currently updating it to its fourth edition. And you can buy the ebook individually on on the BioLite website as well if you're just curious to learn more about red light therapy or you have a device from a different company and you just want a better direction or, or just more well-rounded information. So the ebook is is readily available and I uh, update it a couple of times a year as more and more research comes out so I can update the current protocols, but I can also add new protocols as more research comes out and I'm able to utilize that research to uh, produce new protocols and uh, as always increase the amount of information and education in the ebook. So what I want to do is read through this ebook. I'm not going to read through the protocols, but we will read through the educational section of the book, which is the first about, you know, quarter to a third of the book. And then the rest of the book, the subsequent two thirds or so is protocols or there's information. So for example, the first section with the protocol is anxiety and depression. And before I give the protocol, I give some nice global information on how red light therapy can help with anxiety and depression. And then I give you synopses or, or conclusions from the research specific to anxiety and depression. And then lastly, I provide the protocol for depression. So if you wanted to use red light therapy, you know how many times per week you should use it, how long each treatment should be, at what distance from the device, and then you know which light to use, whether it's red and or near infrared light. I'm gonna use this first solo sode for the ebook, and we're gonna go through the important concepts of red light therapy. And for a lot of you, this is going to be a review, which is excellent because as Tony Robbins says, repetition is the mother of skill, meaning if you truly want to learn something and master it, you have to do it repetitively, time after time after time. And in this case, when you hear red light therapy information for the first time, it's probably quite uh, overwhelming. So that's why it's a good thing even after multiple episodes or, or solo episodes to repeat similar information. That way, when you hear it different times, and typically I, I speak about things from different vantage points or just in a different way, that way it helps build up that repetition and ingrain some of this information so that you can better understand red light therapy. But uh, without further ado, let's jump into the ebook. It is aptly named Red Light Therapy Treatment Protocols. This is the third edition, and it is by yours truly, Dr. Mike Belkowski. <laughs> and remember that anything written or read in this book is not medical advice. And same with this podcast. I'm just talking into the mic. You're listening. Hopefully you find the information useful, but it is not medical advice. 
But with all of that nicety out of the way, let, let's move on to the information. So again, we're going to start off with uh, the first section of the book, which is important concepts. And the first one is red light versus near-infrared light. So red and near-infrared light are part of the electromagnetic spectrum. Red light is about 600 to 700 nanometers, and it is part of the visible spectrum, meaning you can visually see it. And the visible spectrum, which is like the rainbow, is about 400 to 700 nanometers. 400 is more of that violet, then you work into the blue, to the teal, to the green, yellow, orange, and then red is on the far right end of that spectrum. The visible part of the electromagnetic spectrum actually makes up an unfathomably small portion of the entire light spectrum. And, and in the ebook, I include a picture that depicts that perfectly. So what we can see as humans, and this is kind of mind-boggling and mind-blowing, and this is where we can get into the quantum field and all that interesting stuff, but the point being, what we can see as human beings with our eyes from a visual perspective is an extremely small part of the electromagnetic spectrum. And this is actually how birds and whales can be so fine-tuned and perfect in their migratory patterns, even though they have, to humans, no landmarks or no like paths or guidance per se. But that's because they can likely pick up different parts of the electromagnetic spectrum that tells them where to go, whereas we cannot see that. We just see the birds or the whales going along these migratory patterns, and we're so impressed. But that's because they can see things we cannot. Back to the point at hand here. And on the other hand, so we have the red, which is part of the visible spectrum. But on the other hand, there's near-infrared, which takes us from about 700 nanometers to 1,100 nanometers. And it is not part of the visible spectrum and thus appears invisible to the human eye. So a side note here, whenever you're utilizing red light therapy, and I've said this on previous episodes, whenever I say the term red light therapy, that encompasses both red and near-infrared. It doesn't, of course, uh, take into account the near-infrared. It's just called red light therapy. But from my point of view, photobiomodulation or low-level laser therapy or red light therapy encompasses both red and near-infrared. Red is the literal red light we all see on those fancy Instagram posts or on a company's website. It's it's that red that, that's so visible and attractive. But the near-infrared is actually the light you're going to be utilizing most often unless you're treating skin. But if you're treating anything else, you have to incorporate the near-infrared light, which to humans or, or to people, it's, it's not as uh, satisfying because you can't see that light. Uh, you can surely feel it, just like the uh, wavelengths from an infrared sauna, which are actually longer than near-infrared. But the near-infrared, again, is invisible. You can feel the warmth, but it penetrates deeper than the red light. So that's how you can treat uh, the bones and, and muscles and tendons and organs uh, and so forth. So that's a, an important point to matter. You don't always need to use red light. And actually, sometimes that's a waste of energy or a waste of jewels that you don't need your body to absorb because that's where you start to get into just over-treating where, where you're giving your body too much energy for what you're trying to accomplish. But anyway, back to the ebook here. Both red and near-infrared act upon the mitochondria inside our cells to stimulate increased energy production and improve our overall health 
wellness, and longevity. The fact that they impact the mitochondria in such a positive way explains why red light therapy, or RLT, can help normalize and optimize an impressive amount of health conditions. Red and near-infrared are both able to induce amazing healing effects on the cells they irradiate, leading to modulated inflammation, reduced pain, boosted resiliency, enhanced regeneration, and much more. As a side note, red light therapy will not have a direct effect on vitamin D production like you would get from full-spectrum sunlight. Because the UVB is required, or ultraviolet B is required, for the synthesis of vitamin D. In the above chart, which is in the ebook, you notice that UVB is outside the visible spectrum. It's on the far left, whereas infrared is on the far right of the visible spectrum. It is paramount to understand the main differences between red and near-infrared as it applies to red light therapy treatments. First and foremost, red light penetrates about half an inch, whereas near-infrared penetrates about one and a half to two inches, depending on the research that you're reading. That means that red light does not penetrate any deeper than the skin. It only treats the epidermis and the dermis. However, because it is a longer wavelength compared to red light, near-infrared can penetrate deep enough to stimulate a healing effect in the deeper tissues such as bone, joints, organs, uh, such as the brain, etc. So you can now begin to understand why you would want to utilize only red light for skin issues, except for hypertrophic scars. This is kind of a side note in the ebook here, but with hypertrophic scars, since they're thicker, they kind of have that uh, raised appearance, if you will. You do want to incorporate both red and near-infrared to get the most effective results. And again, that's based on the research. Now you begin to understand why you want to utilize only red light for skin issues and why you would want to employ near-infrared when you're trying to affect any tissue or structure deeper than the skin. There will be times that you want to use the combination of red and near-infrared, such as when you're doing a routine health and wellness treatment and you want to reduce inflammation and improve circulation to all tissue layers where your body is being irradiated by the light. And the next section is the mitochondria. Of course, we can't talk about red light therapy without diving into the mitochondria. So here we go. Uh, The mitochondria are classically known as the quote-unquote powerhouse of the cells. But they are so much more than that. Research has unearthed the fact that mitochondria may in fact dictate our overall health and longevity. There is even a theory called the mitochondrial theory of aging, which postulates that the mitochondria are the body's main source of free radicals that are linked to aging. Free radicals are linked to aging because they specifically damage the mitochondria in the mitochondria's vulnerable DNA. When damage occurs to the mitochondria faster than it can repair itself, the mitochondria becomes dysfunctional, which is the first step in aging. The domino effect of dysfunctional mitochondria looks something like this. And if you've listened to this podcast, you're very familiar with this stepwise progression, but bear with me. When you have too many dysfunctional mitochondria, that leads to a dysfunctional cell. Because remember, there's either dozens to hundreds, if not thousands of mitochondria per cell. And if you have a dysfunctional cell and you have too many dysfunctional cells, that can lead to a dysfunctional tissue. Well, that's not an issue on its own, but when you have too many dysfunctional tissues, uh, that can lead to a dysfunctional organ. And that's when we start to see these diagnoses or these prognoses of 
organ failure or organ diseases crop up. But then when you have multiple organs or too many dysfunctional organs, well, that leads to cancer and inevitably death. So in essence, this theory submits that the mitochondria are ultimately our biological clock. And that little breakdown I just touched on explains why red light therapy can treat so many different health conditions. It's because you're treating the root cause. You're not throwing a band-aid on the situation. There's a time and place for that, but that's not what red light therapy does because it treats the mitochondria, which affects the cells, which affects the tissues, which affects the organs, systems, and ultimately our ability to live and thrive. Moving on here. Uh, mitochondria are literally in all of our cells except for red blood cells. Red and near-infrared light specifically targets the mitochondria and helps boost their overall health and vitality, which is phenomenal news for, for us as the human beings. In a nutshell, that explains why red light therapy has a seemingly endless list of health conditions that can be reduced, relieved, mitigated, prevented, and or even completely reversed in some cases. Here is a list, albeit not complete, of organ systems that can be compromised secondary to mitochondrial dysfunction along with some specific examples. So with muscles, we can have muscle weakness or muscle pain. With the brain, we have dementia, Alzheimer's disease, migraines, concussions, so on and so forth. With the nerves, we have neuropathic pain and weakness. With kidneys, we can have excessive loss of protein and electrolytes. With the heart, we have cardiomyopathy, heart blocks. With the liver, we have hypoglycemia and non-alcoholic liver failure. With the eyes, there's optic neuropathy and retinitis pigmentosa. With the ears, we have sensorineural hearing loss and aminoglycoside sensitivity. With the pancreas, there's diabetes and exocrine pancreatic failure. And the following list illustrates acquired conditions that implicate mitochondrial dysfunction. And these are going to be more common diagnoses per se, such as type 2 diabetes, cancers, Alzheimer's disease, Parkinson's disease, bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, aging itself, anxiety disorders, uh, cardiovascular diseases, sarcopenia, exercise intolerance, because of course your muscles need energy to work. And mitochondria is what produces 90% of the energy in our body. And then there's fatigue, fibromyalgia, and myofascial pain. This is not even a nearly a complete list of conditions that are implicated with mitochondrial dysfunction. As you've heard me say many, many times, Dr. Doug Wallace, the top mitochondrial researcher in the world, has said that 80% of modern diseases and conditions are directly tied to mitochondrial dysfunction. Did you guys know that it's teeth whitening season? Well, heck, isn't it always teeth whitening season? Who doesn't want to have the whitest, brightest smile in the room? And not just that, but also receive the benefits of red light therapy for the oral cavity at the same time. My company, BioLite, just released our newest product called the Guardian Plus, which implements both blue light for the teeth whitening aspect, but also the red and near-infrared light for the red light therapy aspect for your oral cavity. We're all familiar with blue light 
light for the teeth whitening aspect, but did you know the blue light therapy is also beneficial for selectively killing harmful bacteria, leaving the beneficial bacteria thriving and well, and blue light therapy is also good for gum health and tooth sensitivity. And of course we know the laundry list of things that red light therapy does for the oral cavity, such as gum health and gum pain, infections and inflammation, wound healing, gingivitis, oral mucositis, so on and so forth. So with the Guardian Plus, you get the best of both worlds. And as my devout favorite podcast listeners in the world, I'm giving you guys an exclusive 20% discount on the Guardian Plus for the month of April only. So go ahead and use coupon code BLUELIGHTPODCAST to get 20% off your Guardian Plus. That's through the month of April in 2022. You can get 20% off. Go ahead and use coupon code BLUELIGHTPODCAST to whiten your teeth and improve the health of your oral microbiome. So the fact that the red and near-infrared light positively impacts the mitochondria is the reason why it can help with all of the conditions and uh, uh, organ systems that I just spoke about. Moving on to another important topic is biphasic dose response. And you've heard me talk about this uh, many times on, on previous episodes, I'm sure. And this is why I, I spoke about earlier that you need to have the proper dosage or the right amount of joules it's because of this biphasic dose response. I go on to say in the ebook here that the biphasic dose response is possibly the most important principle to understand when undergoing red light therapy treatments. That is, if you want the most uh, effective and efficient treatments possible. The biphasic dose response explains why more is not better. And in the ebook, there's the classic bell curve that we're all familiar with from school at one point or another where on the left side, we would have a dose that's too low, meaning you don't expose your body to enough light or enough strength of light for long enough, meaning you didn't get enough joules of light. And that means you're going to have a lower chance or a lower benefit from that treatment. Whereas on the far right, and this is where I think most people are, is where your treatment dosage is too high, meaning the power of the light combined with the duration of your treatment was too high, your body absorbed too many joules of light, and thus, again, you got a low benefit from that treatment. So in both cases, when you treat with too little of a dosage or too high of a dosage, your treatment benefit is going to be low. And in the middle of that bell curve is where it raises up nice and high, and that's where we get that optimal dosage. And that optimal dosage is going to be different from protocol to protocol, like I spoke about earlier, whether it's skin versus brain health versus sleep versus thyroid health, those optimal dosages are going to be different to receive a high benefit from your treatment. Fortunately, there are minimal to no negative consequences to over-treating with red light therapy. And this is one of the many reasons why red light therapy is amazing. It is non-invasive, very effective, and very safe. For people that are sensitive to light or severely over-treat, they may become fatigued or lethargic afterwards or possibly get a mild headache and or those mild detox symptoms. This is likely because the mitochondria have been overexposed to light, leading to excessive production of reactive oxygen species and nitric oxide, both when produced in excess can lead to the aforementioned symptoms. It is important to note that in lower appropriate dosages, both reactive oxygen species and nitric oxide are quite beneficial as they both play important roles in red light therapy. 
In the end, you don't want to treat for too little, and you surely don't want to treat for too long. It is all about finding that sweet spot for your body that will ultimately be the optimal dose and lead to superior results. Simply put, more is not better. And that's another good point that I brought up is that it's all about finding the sweet spot for your body. So an optimal dosage for sleep for me is going to be probably slightly different for you versus your friend versus your parents and so on and so forth. Everyone's body is different and we're going to have a slightly different reaction to light just like we do with food or medication or exercise or fasting. And so it's upon ourselves to really tap into how well we are responding to a certain treatment. If you're trying to treat for muscle soreness or pain and you do a certain protocol a couple of times, you need to ask yourself, did you see the results you were looking for? If you did, continue on with that same protocol. If you didn't, then you might want to consider increasing or decreasing the dosage and trying that new protocol for a handful of sessions and then see how your body reacts to that new dosage. It's not a perfect cookie cutter system, red light therapy, meaning like I just spoke about, you need to really see how your body reacts and adjust accordingly. Let's move on to the next topic of hormesis. And in a nutshell, hormesis is the concept that explains that while a stressor in small increments is good for your health, that same stressor in excess is a detriment to your health. Think about exercise or fasting, alcohol, and sun exposure. In smaller appropriate dosages, each one of those aforementioned stressors causes your body to adapt and quote-unquote come back stronger. Repeated over time, this leads to long-lasting health and wellness benefits. But on the flip side, when these same lifestyle habits are repeatedly implemented in excess, they can lead to dysfunction and degeneration of your cells, tissues, organs, and body. So think about those people that exercise for hours every single day. We know that exercise is good for us. There's many, 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 many health benefits to exercise. But you need to allow your body to recover so that it's ready to take on that next bout of stress appropriately. Otherwise, your body is constantly riddled with inflammation because every time you exercise, there's micro-inflammatory processes going on. And those processes are going on in your body 24, 48, 72 hours after one bout of exercise. So again, if you're exercising every single day, or let's say even five to six days every single week, that's not enough time for your body to recover, or at least appropriately recover, to the point where it's ready to take on that next bout of stress or exercise to its full extent. And that's truly why, A, people might not see the exercise results or benefits they're looking for, and B, that's how injuries happen. Because you've overtaxed, you've overstressed your body, you haven't allowed it to recover well enough. And my point being is, Red light therapy is very similar to exercise, and a lot of the researchers have compared exercise and red light therapy because physiologically they, they stress the body in similar ways. And I bring up exercise because I think most of us can somewhat be familiar with that, and that's my metaphor for people and their mindset with red light therapy where they think they have to do red light therapy every single day. They got to do that 20 minutes or 30 minutes every single day. And that is simply not true. And that's why I wrote multiple, multiple times in the book that more is not better. Just like exercise. While exercise is great, 
more is not always better. You need to allow your body to adapt, recover, and be able to take on those next bout of stresses before stressing it again. It's kind of a catch-22 because by doing this quote-unquote recovery, whether it's exercise or red light therapy in this case, you kind of feel like by doing nothing, you're not accomplishing anything. When in fact, you're doing a lot of good for your body by not stressing it more. Kind of similar to maybe the mindset around sleep where people think they can thrive on four or five hours of sleep and it's kind of a waste of time because they could be more productive if they were up and doing stuff. When in fact, sleep is actually one of the most beneficial and undervalued aspects of our of our 24-hour circadian rhythm because that's where growth, that's where regeneration happens is during sleep. It's not when you're up eating you know, protein and working out. It, it's actually when you're sleeping. So anyway, a couple of different you know rabbit holes and diatribes there. But again, this is all having to do with the principle of hormesis. I'm going to continue on from what I said in this book. It might be somewhat repetitive, but good information nonetheless. How does this relate to red light therapy? The red and near-infrared light that stimulates the mitochondria acts as a mild stressor leading to a hormetic response. The most notable response is a transient increase in reactive oxygen species. Again, in excess, reactive oxygen species has a damaging effect to the body, but in small amounts, it's a positive. Ultimately, small increases in reactive oxygen species actually activates many of the same cell defense systems that exercise does. If you get down to the nitty-gritty of the cellular physiology, red light therapy builds up your internal antioxidant and anti-inflammatory defense system much like exercise builds up your muscle size and aerobic capacity. This has some parallels to the biphasic dose response where more is not better. And then lastly, this is the last section of the first section of the book, the important concepts section of the book, and it's about dosing. So this one's pretty interesting. It might be dry for some people, but nonetheless, it's kind of interesting because this is how the protocols are developed. And so for dosing, I want to preface this section by saying that if you don't care to understand the science and the nuances that go into formulating the dosages for the protocols, by all means, skip the section. In order to have an effective protocol, it is imperative that you are utilizing appropriate dosing, which is very dependent on what you are treating and how superficial or deep your target tissue is, i.e. your skin versus your joint. Your skin being superficial, your joint being deep. And typically, the deeper the tissue, the larger the dosage because the light has to travel through more tissue to get to its ultimate destination and it's losing some of its light along every part of that path, which is why such a small percentage of light actually gets to your brain when you're doing red light therapy for your brain. But it's that small amount of light that makes it to the brain that has an enormous impact. The deeper the tissue, the larger the dosage. That is because light is lost as it travels through the various biological layers before it shines upon the target tissue. Let's quickly do a thought experiment. Imagine turning on your very bright red light therapy device and then placing one sheet of paper directly in front of the light. This would knock down the light irradiance maybe slightly, but then let's add another sheet of paper and there's even less light now. Add another sheet, less light. Add another sheet and so forth. Before long, it will be difficult to detect much light coming from your once radiant device. 
You can envision each sheet of paper as a biological layer in your body that the light must pass through, but as it passes through that layer, it loses some of its light and irradiance. So if the light from your red light therapy device has to reach the brain, has to reach the joints or organs or bones, you can now understand why those protocols necessitate higher dosages, whereas more superficial treatments like the skin require much smaller dosages. Fundamentally, red light therapy dosing comes down to how much light energy called joules your target tissue needs to absorb during a treatment session for optimal results. It is not going to be an exact number, but rather a range since we all have individualized biological systems. It is up to you to figure out where within a certain range your body responds best in a given protocol. The dosing guidelines that follow and the protocols in this book are specifically for LED devices versus lasers, which are higher powered, or bulbs, which are lower powered, as either of the latter mentioned will require significantly modified protocols. Most scientific studies are demonstrating benefits of red light therapy using devices with light irradiance of 20 to 200 milliwatts per centimeter squared. Light irradiance is the measurement of power density, or how much light power is being emitted in watts over a certain surface area. Another factor that must be considered is the distance from the light source. It is imperative to understand that the distance between your light source and the light completely depends on what you are trying to treat for that session. For example, for anti-aging skin treatments, the research shows that about 15 to 18 inches away is optimal, whereas treating the brain or the joints, you want to get around 6 inches away. Again, distance is only one part of the story, but you can see how widely it can vary between two types of treatments. When considering the distance from the light source, it is also essential to understand that light getting to the target tissue is lost exponentially and not linearly the farther you are away from the light source. Bear with me here because we're going to spit some numbers at you. But So the amount of light penetration you may lose going from 0 inches to 6 inches is less light lost than going from 6 inches to 12 inches. So think about that because the 0 to 6 is closer, whereas when you're going from 6 to 12, you're getting even farther away from that device. And then you lose exponentially more light going from 12 inches to 8 inches, because now you're getting even farther away from the device, so you're losing even more light power more quickly. So let's just say you want to spend more time in front of the light for a certain protocol. You cannot just go from 6 inches to 12 inches and then double the time and think those two protocols are going to be the same because your body will be absorbing much less light per time at 12 inches compared to 6 inches. Now, it's finally time to talk about how to determine dosages. So let's cut to the chase. Dose equals light irradiance times time. As mentioned several paragraphs ago and underlined, Dosing comes down to how many joules in a specific area of your body is absorbing over a given treatment session. Of course, different protocols will necessitate various amounts of joules based on multiple variables, such as target tissue depth. An invaluable piece of information is that the current research shows that most treatment protocols will be between 3 and 50 joules per centimeter squared. Now that you know uh, a majority of all red light therapy treatments require 3 to 50 joules per centimeter squared, the last piece of information needed is the duration required at various light intensities to achieve 
one joules per centimeter squared. So for example here, I'm not gonna read all the numbers because I'd get a little dry to hear, but for example, in order to get one joule per centimeter squared at 25 milliwatts per centimeter squared, which would be a very low power device, or let's say you had the shine, you know, you'd have to be 18 to 24 inches away. That would take 40 seconds to get one joule. Compared to if you were being irradiated by 125 milliwatts per centimeter squared, in order to get one joule, that would take eight seconds. That's pretty standard for most panels. So if you're about six inches away from most panels, it takes eight seconds to get one joule, whereas with 25 milliwatts, it takes 40 seconds. This is the last part of the uh, this section here about dosing. So for example, let's say you have a protocol that necessitates 20 joules of centimeter squared for a treatment session. And for the purposes of this demonstration, we'll say that you also know you will be at a distance from your red light therapy device where the light irradiates at 100 milliwatts per centimeter squared. And in the chart above, we can see that it takes 10 seconds to get one joule at 100 milliwatts. And for this treatment session, we want 20 joules to get the results we're looking for. Uh, you would then look at the above table and take 10 seconds for one joule and multiply it by 20 for the protocol. That multiplication would equate 200 seconds or three and a third minutes total. Now you have an accurate time range, about three to four minutes for that specific protocol. Now, based on what you've learned, you'll be able to calculate the duration required for any treatment provided you know the range of joules required for that given protocol. And that's the end of the section. In the ebook, I keep referring to you being able to kind of calculate your own treatment protocol as long as you know how many joules you need because that's what the research typically gives you is how many joules were used to improve eye health. X amount of joules were used to reduce inflammation. You know, X amount of joules were used to reduce pain. And so all I've done really to create these protocols is to take those joules and also determine if they've used red or near infrared light and then give you protocols at six inches or 12 inches do a little math to give you the appropriate range of joules for that particular condition. It's relatively simple. It's just very, very time-consuming and relatively monotonous to go through all the different articles of research. So I've done that work for you with this ebook. I think this will be a good area to end for this solo sode. In the next solo sode going on with this ebook, we will begin to look at the protocols or at least look at the information and research in each section. So that way you'll get a nice global overview of the many ways the red light therapy can help and how. And I'll just read out the contents right here so you have an idea of what's coming up in future podcasts. We have anxiety and depression, athletic performance, brain and nerve health, bone and joint health, eye health, fat loss, hair loss, heart health, herpes, inflammation, immune system, oral health, pain, pet health, preconditioning, skin health, sleep, thyroid health, women's health, wound healing, safety, considerations, and we might even go through the FAQ if that seems appropriate with the FAQ I've provided in the ebook. But for the time being, I think that's a great place to end this solo sode. We've gone through the important concepts you're going to know what to anticipate for future solo sodes as we work our way through this ebook. Again, I'm not going to provide the specific protocols, but I will go through 
the, the information surrounding each topic, and then we'll go through the research on each topic so you get a very good sense of how red light therapy can work with conditions and what the research has to say. I hope you found this episode or the solo sode interesting, useful, again, maybe repetitive, but that's not a bad thing because hopefully you understand red light therapy at least a little bit better than you did before you listened to the solo sode. And that would be my number one goal. As always, I would greatly appreciate any reviews you can give on the podcast, both on Apple Podcasts, even if it's just leaving a five-star review with no comments, I would sincerely appreciate it. The more people that review the podcast, the higher that the podcast gets ranked, meaning more people get to learn and be exposed to red light therapy just as you have been. And also, I just discovered that you can now leave reviews on Spotify. So if you're not an Apple podcast user, but you like to use Spotify for podcasts, please go ahead and leave a five-star review on the Red Light Report on Spotify. I would greatly, greatly appreciate it. Once again, guys, I hope you have a wonderful day, whatever you're doing. Be positive, bring a positive light to the world, and as always, light up your health, whether it's with the sun and or with red light therapy. You guys have a great one. Thank you for listening to the Red Light Report. If you like what you heard today, go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes and other podcast platforms to help spread the word so other people can learn about the many health, wellness, and longevity benefits of red light therapy. If you're looking for more educational content, check out our Instagram page at biolight.shop and our YouTube channel, Biolight. I'm Dr. Mike Belkowski, and I'll see you on the next episode.